The new plan to clear out Oppenheimer Park. We absolutely need to take massive action. Exclusive details about where homeless residents will go. Rent relief for small businesses. It's imperative to know just how quickly this money will reach business owners. Big questions about a promised COVID-19 lifeline. And a young woman who died alone. People should have been allowed to come in and see her. How new COVID protocols may have caused a communication breakdown. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with breaking news and an imminent plan to find a safer place for the hundreds of people crowded into Vancouver's Oppenheimer Park. That's right. Just days after the provincial government assumed jurisdiction over the park, Global News has learned authorities will move in to clear it out. Jordan Armstrong is live in Vancouver with more on this breaking story. Jordan, that tent city went up more than a year and a half ago. How soon could it all come down? Chris, the move out of Oppenheimer Park will start tomorrow, but it's going to take several weeks. Everyone realizes that there are sensitive issues there, and they're going to take this one slow. It may be hard to believe that a scene like this exists in a city like Vancouver, but it has for more than a year and a half. And lately, the number of tents in Oppenheimer Park has ballooned. Right now, um, the conditions are absolutely deplorable for anybody who's on the street um, or living in a camp or in a park. Now there's a provincial effort to address the human suffering. Global News has learned that beginning Saturday, BC Housing will lead a coordinated plan to move people out of the park and into safer temporary accommodation. We know it will be hard and complicated, complex, to move a large number of people into safe spaces with rapidity. But if this pandemic is as threatening as we're being told, and it is, we absolutely need to take massive action. Sources say the action will move at a moderate pace. This is not an overnight fix. BC Housing has identified a total of eight sites, including six hotels, locations that will enable physical distancing. Given there are two public health emergencies in the downtown east side, the locations will also include services to address mental health and addiction. Oppenheimer is Vancouver Park Board property, and while the board spent months asserting its jurisdiction over the site, neither the board nor city was capable of fixing it. Wednesday, the mayor said it was up to the province to implement a solution. The city has really gone to the edge in terms of our resources as to what we can provide, uh, but we really just don't have the fiscal capacity to build the housing that's needed. The Union Gospel Mission is extremely pleased about the emergency housing being offered, but they point out there are still more than 3,000 homeless in the region beyond Oppenheimer who could also use the province's help. There's a lesson in all of this that when we delay and don't deal with problems at the beginning, they can continue to grow, spiral, and all of a sudden we're in a, a much worse situation that could have been averted. Jordan, you mentioned a lot of moving pieces down there, a lot of sensitivities. When will we get more details on, on the plan to clean it up? Chris, there will be a formal announcement from the province and Social Development Minister Shane Simpson at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. We expect he'll also have news on the tent cities in Victoria. Now, we don't know what's going to happen 
if there are any holdouts, any people who refuse to leave the camp at Oppenheimer. That's a major unanswered question at this point. But again, we understand this is not a quick exit. They're going to work with people on an individual basis over a number of weeks. Chris? All right, Jordan, thank you. Jordan Armstrong, live in Vancouver for us. BC Health officials are taking a day off today from the daily press briefing, but we do have new COVID-19 numbers for the province to tell you about. There are 29 new cases, bringing BC's total to 1,853. Four additional deaths, which means 98 people have now died in this province. 96 people are in hospital, that's down nine. 41 in critical care, and 1,114 people have recovered. Fraser Health has now closed Superior Poultry in Coquitlam. That comes after two employees of the chicken processing plant tested positive for COVID-19. All employees at the facility have now been screened and case and contact management is ongoing. There is no evidence to suggest food is a likely source or route of transmission. Therefore, there is no recall of chicken products from the plant. Superior Poultry is the sister plant of United Poultry in East Vancouver, where 35 workers have now tested positive for COVID-19. One of BC's most notorious fugitives has now been handed over to Canadian authorities. Accused killer Brandon Teixeira was captured in a police raid on a remote property near Oroville, California, back in December of 2019, following a 15-month manhunt. Earlier today, U.S. Marshals handed Teixeira over to Canada. He will now be extradited back to this country to face trial for first-degree murder in the shooting death of Nicholas Cabra in Surrey in 2017 and attempted murder charges related to a double stabbing in Maple Ridge in 2015. The federal government has unveiled yet another massive financial aid package designed to help small businesses survive the COVID-19 economic disaster. Ottawa is partnering with the provinces to lower commercial rents by 75%, but there are some hoops for businesses to jump through first. Richard Zussman has the details. The kitchens at Commissary Connect are less busy than normal. COVID-19 putting a strain on companies like this, helping to produce foods for farmers markets, food trucks and night markets. Our members rely on their customers and we rely on our members. So if they're not able to cover their rents, we're not able to cover ours. But help is coming. For all small businesses across British Columbia, the federal government announcing on Friday rent relief for those medium and small businesses who can't afford to pay their landlords. If you've had to close up shop because of public health recommendations, if you don't have a lot of money coming in because people aren't spending as much these days, you may be worried about losing your office space or not having a coffee, coffee shop to reopen after this crisis. Ottawa coming to the table with a plan to lower rent by 75% in partnership with the B.C. government. I, I really wish it had come sooner, but I mean, at this point, I mean, this is unprecedented. So uh, the, the, the help is, is, um, is huge. It is actually huge for us. But many are describing the program as cumbersome and complicated. The property owner must reduce the rent by 75% to qualify for forgivable loans. The losses are shared. The landlord covers 25%. The small business covers 25%. The province and the federal government covers the remaining 50%. I would imagine that a landlord would rather have you know, 75% of the rent than none of the rent and an empty space. But it's still a bit of an open question and one that we're watching very, very carefully. There are also concerns about timing. The support will not be available until mid-May, 
missing another due date on May 1st for rent. But some big questions remain about just how this program's going to work. And first of all, the timing of this, you know, when we'll see some of these uh, funds be able to get into business owners' hands. A lot riding on this funding for Mund and others in the small business community, hoping the help will mean this kitchen will fill again when the pandemic is over. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. TransLink is appealing to the federal government for help in the face of a huge loss of ridership and revenue due to the COVID crisis. The head of the Mayor's Council on TransLink, New Westminster Mayor Jonathan Cote, appeared via video conference today before the House of Commons Finance Committee. While the federal government has pledged tens of billions of dollars in financial aid to many sectors of the economy, public transit has so far not seen any relief. Our funding sources, main funding sources, are transit, fare revenue, and, and the gas tax. And both of those revenue sources have declined significantly. So TransLink is currently losing $75 million a, a month. Now, at the same time, the union representing Metro Vancouver transit workers is launching a legal, action, a legal challenge against TransLink's layoffs of 1,500 employees. The tragic story of a B.C. woman with cerebral palsy has advocates for people with special needs sounding an alarm. Arise Knight was admitted to Peace Arch Hospital with a non-COVID-19 respiratory condition and died a few days later without ever being able to communicate with anyone. John Waugh explains why. My sister died alone and she did not have to. In life, Arise Knight defied limitations. Being nonverbal, the 40-year-old with cerebral palsy found her own way to communicate with family and support workers. She had a full, wide range of facial expressions. She was able to answer yes or no questions, not with her voice, but with her eyes. But when Knight got sick and had to go to Peace Arch Hospital, support staff and ultimately her voice were stopped at the door because of COVID-19 restrictions. She was never given the opportunity to be able to have someone to speak up for her in her time of need. Admitted for congestion, fever and vomiting, his sister was suddenly put on end-of-life care and died in hospital days later. The thought of how she felt alone in those final moments is too much to bear. I don't even want to think about that. <sighs> Pre-pandemic, support staff from Semiyamu House Society would accompany clients at the hospital 24-7. But since COVID-19, their access is essential visitors has been inconsistent and unclear. We need to have people in hospitals, such as uh, our, our, our support workers, who would be able to interpret what Arise was thinking and, and what she wanted. Tennant says there are likely hundreds of cases across the province where these vulnerable patients are being admitted to hospital without that vital support due to this confusion. We're in a crisis time. This is not the time to have a conversation that goes back and forth for weeks. When asked, the provincial health officer's stance seemed clear. We do believe that there is accommodation being made. My expectation is there accommodation being made. So why did Fraser Health bar support staff from being by night side? In a statement, the health authority writes, essential visitors includes anyone who is considered paramount to the patient's well-being. In the event that communication with a patient cannot be facilitated, acute care staff would connect with family to access additional support for the patient. In this case, medical staff determined that additional support for communication was not required. How can my sister tell somebody she's in pain when she can't verbalize? They don't understand that she can communicate in other ways. 
Knight's family is asking Fraser Health for a full investigation, saying the health authority had no right to make decisions for her, vowing now to not let her be silenced again, even in death. John Hua, Global News. Frontline doctors and nurses share the reality of COVID-19. It's going to be a year-long journey for our young patients. The impact of the novel coronavirus on patients and on the hospital staff caring for them from inside the COVID ward in just over a minute. It's a sellout. What shoe designer John Fluvog says about the popularity of his Dr. Henry tribute shoe coming up a little later on the news hour. Totally took out all offenses. Plus, the spring thaw causes flooding across many parts of the interior, the hardest hit areas later. But first, every evening at 7 o'clock, we celebrate our healthcare heroes. But most of us have very little idea of what their time on the job is really like. Here in BC, we have 20 designated hospitals to help COVID-19 cases. One of those is Surrey Memorial. Our Sarah McDonald recently spent the day inside with those on the front lines. Their stories paint a rare picture about coping with coronavirus and the risk they put themselves in every day. Inside what is typically the province's busiest emergency department, the silence is striking. It's a heightened anxiety, definitely, but it's, it's changed our intake of people because we've told the people to stay away. For those who simply can't, the first point of contact is a registered nurse like Lisa Wright on the front lines outside Surrey Memorial Hospital. Um, for the most part, this is what I signed up for. Um, this is my job, this is what I do, it's, it's fine. Uh, you'll be asked if you have any symptoms. We were invited inside by Fraser Health. It's leader no stranger to combating communicable diseases and past pandemics. Have you ever seen or witnessed anything or expected anything of this magnitude to hit so close to home in your career? Huh. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Um, uh, well, you know, I think it this, you know, people talk about extraordinary times and unprecedented challenges and we've never had this level of uh, uh, measures that have been put in place. When you see some of the um, health systems that are uh, supposedly comparable to our health systems and they're not coping very well, uh, it does make you really um, take a, a serious attention to how we're preparing for this pandemic. Health systems like Italy's, where the COVID-19 wave crashed with little warning and devastating consequences. The disease overwhelming and overburdening resources in even well-developed countries. As sort of information came out of Italy, it radically changed uh, our approach. The approach to treating patients is changing just as rapidly as the data. It starts in the lungs without a doubt, but the immune system as it gets ramped up to fight the virus can also damage the body. Um, you know, the muscle aches and pains that a lot of people complain of early in the disease are probably at least in some way the immune system, the inflammation affecting the muscles. And deciding which patients need one of these can present its own challenges. The reality is when we talk about critical care, um, dying is not the worst possible thing that can happen to people. The ventilator is not harmless. So we, we have a big plastic tube that goes through the vocal cord so people can't talk and they choke with every breath. Being young and, uh, and getting sick with this is not a guarantee of doing well. Fiona McLeod and her colleagues are all too familiar with one of the compounded cruelties of the novel coronavirus. 
A lot of our patients are unfortunately on ventilators and can't speak to us. But they can listen. Recently, we had a nurse who was in the room with the patient, holding the patient's hand, had the family on speaker, and assured the family that the patient could hear them, that they knew that they were there. Are you worried about contracting COVID yourself? Um, well, yeah, I think everybody is. Sometimes the hand a patient holds isn't always familiar in a pandemic. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Up next, free trial scams and how to avoid them. The many ways shady marketers will try to make a take your money during the pandemic. Also tonight, Backpack Buddies, how it's a lifeline for many kids who can't go to school. Traffic is moving well over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge this evening. North and south between Richmond and Delta. Keep in mind that every night there are some ongoing lane closures for some reason in both directions. To help you stay safe and at home, Rona is offering free parcel shipping and curbside pickup with online purchases at Rona.ca. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Well, with more of us spending more time online these days, there's a good chance you might have encountered a free trial offer. But beware, a lot of them are scams popping up on social media sites. In fact, the Better Business Bureau says this type of fraud has been so rampant during the COVID-19 pandemic, it's warning consumers to be on high alert. Here to tell us more, our Consumer Matters reporter, Andrea. And Thanks, Sophie. Consumers continue to lose millions of dollars to this type of scam. These pop-up free trial offers can show up on social media sites, emails, even text messages, and they usually start with an ad promoting a free trial of a beauty or health product. They also often use fake celebrity endorsements to attract customers. Just lately, the Better Business Bureau says it's received reports of fraudsters offering bogus free Netflix services during the pandemic. The reality is that free trial turns into an ongoing monthly subscription which could end up costing you hundreds of dollars. So here are some ways to protect yourself. Read the fine print. Many free trial offers come with the fine print buried on the order page, and that often states by accepting the offer, you are signing up for monthly shipments of the products and the appropriate fees will be charged to your credit card. Beware of celebrity endorsements that are geared to lure unsuspecting consumers. Many times celebrities' names are used without their knowledge or permission. Make sure the website you are on is legitimate and you can locate the terms and conditions and you take the time to read them and ensure the company has a physical address, not a P.O. box. If you do end up in a subscription trap and need to stop the payments, call your credit card company. If it's a genuinely fraudulent company, which in most cases it tends to be, um, or a scammer to, to basically put it simply, um, what would tend to happen is you have to start by reaching out to your credit card provider letting them know what happened so that they can at least put a stop to the charges that are happening that are um, being put on your account and then the other thing you need to do is report it to you know to bbb so that more, the more reports that we do get the more we have material to do investigations and the Better Business Bureau says free trial offers can be a legitimate way for credible companies to introduce new products, provided they are transparent about the offer and the terms and conditions. Still, it's encouraging people to think before they click the next time they come across that free trial offer. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks very much, Anne. 
Well, food insecurity is getting worse for many families now out of work because of the pandemic. But more and more charities are adapting to try to get them the food they need. Yeah, and that includes adopting a service normally associated with businesses, home deliveries. Here's Nadia Stewart. For Allison Snow, this special delivery could not have come at a better time. It's been it's been a challenge. Um, we waited 20 days for our money to come, so Backpack Buddies helped us get through that 20 days. Like so many Metro Vancouver families, the snows are caught in the middle. With schools closed, accessing school-based food programs has been tough, and the hunger gap for BC's children is getting wider another side effect of COVID-19. Making it happen isn't an option. It's not like we can or can't. We have to do this. Backpack Buddies co-founder Emily Ann King says the pandemic has forced them to rethink and reinvent their logistical framework. It's as if someone said to us, take everything you know about everything you've done over the last eight years, every logistical thing you've built and everything you know about your supply chain and throw it out the window, but do the same thing on a much bigger scale and do it now. Their army of volunteers is reduced to a team of five, but still tasked with somehow getting prepackaged meals to Metro Vancouver children who used to carry these packages home with them on Fridays, ensuring the kids did not go hungry over the weekend. COVID-19 has expanded the hunger gap for these kids from two to seven days. We went from supporting 1,400 kids a week to almost 2,500. King says they're doing many of the deliveries themselves, but they're also building new partnerships and tapping into a different network to meet the need. And families like the Snows couldn't be more grateful. You kind of feel a little defeated when you can't provide everything you need to. Now... It's good. It just helps us um, know that we have that support no matter what. Nadia Stark, Global News. Great work. All right, still ahead, Canada comes together in mourning. This province will stand with you as you try to pick up the pieces. The nationwide virtual vigil for the victims of the Nova Scotia shooting. And watch an NFL dream come true for local football star Chase Claypool. How he feels about being drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers later in sports. Plenty of emergency crews on scene to a motorcycle crash here on the Mary Hill Bypass at United. It looks completely blocked throughout this intersection and uh, definitely take it out of your commute for the time being. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside real Canadian superstores and Walmarts throughout BC. Find your nearest location at sussexinsurance.com. Open 9 to 9 every day. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a motorcycle accident on the Mary Hill Bypass. In just 13 hours, a killer left a trail of 22 victims, some known to him, others killed at random. Today, RCMP provided a timeline that details the terrible scope of the killing spree in Nova Scotia. Global's Elizabeth McSheffrey has more. We now have a time-stamped map of how this massacre unfolded, starting in the small beach town of Portapic. A total of 13 victims were found there after 10.26 p.m. on April 18th, and police say they were looking for more than one suspect. 
They set up a perimeter about four square kilometers altogether. Take note of the 11-hour time gap between when the bodies were found in Portapique and when the next set of victims was found in Wentworth on Sunday morning. RCMP say they still don't know what the shooter did overnight other than slip through that small perimeter. We've uncovered some information to suggest that there was a vehicle, and this was much after the fact, uh, that was seen leaving through a field, driving through a field. At this point, we are assuming, and I don't like to assume, but we are assuming that could very well have been the suspect that has, was leaving the area. Early April 19th, the gunman killed two men and one woman at a home on Hunter Road, setting it on fire before moving to another home on Highway 4. The shooter knew these folks and knocked on the door, but they didn't answer and were able to ID him to a dispatcher after he left. The gunman continued south to Wentworth where he shot a woman walking on the roadside. By 10.08 a.m. he was in DeBert where he shot two people in their cars. Shortly afterward, Constable Chad Morrison had arranged to meet Constable Heidi Stevenson at Highway 2 and 224. Constable Morrison thought that the vehicle was Constable Stevenson. The approaching police vehicle was actually driven by the gunman. The gunman pulled up beside Constable Morrison and immediately opened fire. Constable Stevenson, likely travelling north on Highway 2, then had a head-on collision with the shooter. She engaged him and he killed her. A passerby who stopped was also shot and their vehicle stolen. The gunman drove that silver SUV to a home on the east side of Highway 224. He killed the woman who lived there, changed out of his RCMP uniform, and made his way to the Irving Big Stop in Enfield. By chance, while the shooter was gassing up, a police officer swung by to refuel. This officer shot the gunman at 11.26 a.m. RCMP now know from videos they've collected that the shooter came into close proximity with other officers during his spree, but chose not to engage them. The RCMP hope to address these questions and more as their investigation into this deadly massacre continues. Elizabeth McSheffrey, Global News, Halifax. And another related and heartbreaking event today in our difficult times across the country. People tuned in to YouTube and Facebook to take part in a virtual vigil. The online gathering to remember the 22 people killed in Canada's worst mass shooting. Paul Johnson reports. So, your right. contribution to the COVID kitchen party. Irving McLeod. Wicked. All right. In the province of Nova Scotia, there's not a single place you can stand where you're more than 50 kilometers from the ocean. No surprise then that in their time of great sadness, they drew from their roots and their seafaring music. Troubles and trials often betray. Friday's online vigil featured some musicians and speakers known to all Canadians, some just to Nova Scotians. Performances delivered by players from their homes, through the internet, holding nothing back. Count on me, I'm counting on you. Hi everyone, this is Sidney Crosby. I'm in Pittsburgh, but being from Nova Scotia, my heart and mind is home with all of you. Of course, they'd be comforting each other in person if they could. Nova Scotia actor and comedian Jonathan Torrance helped organize the vigil. The people in these communities want you to know, watching from all over the world, that they feel your love and support. In fact, it's what's holding them up. So thank you for that. And where they could, 
Canadians from coast to coast reminded Nova Scotians that this tragedy is not theirs alone to bear. Many no doubt touched by this moment in the vigil. The fiddle player in the middle of the screen here is 17-year-old Emily Tuck. She died along with her parents in the massacre. Whether this was her final performance, we don't know. But it will be the one we all remember her by. There's some fiddle for you. <laughs> Paul Johnson, Global News. A new online tool is making it easier for British Columbians to monitor their mental health during this pandemic. The mental health check-in asks users about their sleep, mood, eating habits and support and then directs them to helpful resources and information. An Insights West poll released today shows 57% of British Columbians say they are experiencing more anxiety than prior to the pandemic, while 43% have reported feeling more lonely. You can access the check-in on the Canadian Mental Health Association of BC website. And still ahead, the Vancouver Whitecaps kick in to the effort to save the aquarium. We can really lend the muscle that a sports team has. How they're helping save the marine landmark one mask at a time. And later, satellite debris updates an old classic. What's up? <laughs> More and more communities across B.C. are feeling the effects of rising river levels from spring runoff. That includes a rural neighborhood south of Prince George where residents of 40 properties have been ordered to evacuate. Catherine Urquhart reports. In a rural neighborhood near Prince George, the Chilaco River and its tributaries continue to rise dangerously close to properties. The situation so precarious, the regional district has ordered residents of 40 properties to evacuate. Those forced from their homes are being offered rooms at two hotels. You add the fact that this is happening in the midst of a pandemic and it, uh, it really, really heightens people's anxiety and, and stress. And so we understand that and appreciate um, that it's a difficult choice for, for everyone. Around the village of Cash Creek, orders and alerts affect hundreds of people. In Williams Lake, extensive flooding has led to a seven-day local state of emergency. An evacuation order was issued for 11 industrial properties, an alert issued for 86 residences at a mobile home park. We've got, uh, in, in the Caribou Transportation District, we've got uh, uh, a little over 130 sites uh, spread uh, throughout the area. Um, and uh, with those, we've got uh, 32 road closures. And it's feared it could get worse. More rain is in the forecast. It's kind of all melting at once, uh, and so we're seeing that uh, increased activity through the Fraser Plateau, kind of Caribou, Chilcotin, and down through to, to Cash Creek. As the region braces for more flooding, ranchers are being urged to move all their livestock to high ground and to ensure that sufficient feed is accessible for at least three days. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, if you were hoping to snag a pair of those Fluvog-designed Dr. Bonnie Henry-inspired shoes, you might be out of luck. At least for now. The quick sellout and what the shoe designer himself said about Dr. Henry right after Christie's forecast. And we'll check in with her in North Vancouver to see what's going on in the weather as we head into a, another weekend. Christy? 
Yes, another weekend counting down the days as many people are as we social distance. Now, this weekend is going to be wet, so plan some indoor activities. And when we talk about the flood warning that's in place in many areas in the interior, which I'll show you in a second, that's not good news. Let's start off with a look at your photos. This one, I love this one. Kim sent me this. And this is, yes, some geese forcing social distancing. This otter likely trying to get at their eggs. So uh, they were really on him. So BC River Forecast Centre has included all of these areas is under the flood warning. That includes areas south of Prince George right down into uh, Whistler. So I've highlighted them here on the future cast. So we're going to see a system push in. Bulk of the moisture will hit the coast, but inland regions, including the Caribou, the Jacolton region that are under that warning, will see moisture tomorrow. 10 to 20 millimeters expected along with a risk of thunderstorms. So isolated uh, heavy downpours possible with another system set to push on shore on Sunday. We will also see windy conditions. So if you're traveling tomorrow, make sure you check with BC ferries. We won't see power outages, but we could see some delays with the ferries. So there's your Saturday, everyone. Yes, wet with that risk of thunderstorms in through the central caribou region as well. Showers across the south and for the south coast, we'll see rain mainly in the morning, easing off in the afternoon, but still an unsettled day expected as well as Sunday and Monday. So we're on and off rainfall over the next couple of days, everyone, but certainly tomorrow morning being the wettest. And here's a look at your weather window for tonight, your central windows weather window. And I love this shot morning office view lauren sending me this that's a pretty nice office view all right guys back to you lovely thank you christy mm -hmm. well the food bank will soon receive a big check from canadian shoe designer john fluvog the legendary shoe designer won't reveal the exact amount he's donating but sales for the limited edition shoe made in honor of bc's top doctor matched that of an entire shoe sale season for fluvogs as many of us know, Dr. Bonnie Henry is a big fan of Fluvog shoes, and it turns out Fluvog is a big fan of Dr. Henry, too. I have never personally spoken to her. It's been, it's been the marketing team, and I'm fine with that. It, of course, I will, um, I will connect with her and tell her what a superstar she is. <laughs> she's, she's like, this is better than having, you know, like Beyonce or something to me. It's just like, because she's so, it's her you know, she's so kind and compassionate, and she's led us through a tough time. I, she's a superhero to me. It's, it's great. A lot of people still want those shoes, so he might want to think about doing another. <laughs> Second another run, one. maybe. Exactly. All right, Squire is here now with uh, a look ahead to sports. Big news for a local boy. It is. Uh, Chase Claypool got drafted in the second round in the NFL draft to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a good team for him to go to because they are very good at developing receivers. They always have been. So we're going to talk to Chase Claypool when we come back. Can't wait to hear that. Also tonight, satellite debris. Stick around. Things are looking up for the Vancouver Aquarium. A week after it warned the COVID-19 shutdown could force it to close permanently. One day after announcing that more than $600,000 worth of donations have come in, the aquarium is getting even more help from the soccer pitch. Linda Aylesworth reports. Like so many businesses, Alliance Mercantile in Vancouver expected COVID-19 to take a toll. We thought we would have to lay off all our employees. We only had enough business continue for at least one more month. But then an unexpected opportunity came up, one that would not only save their business, but help another, the Vancouver Aquarium. We're months away from bankruptcy and we need a million dollars at least a month. It was the Vancouver Whitecaps who brought the two unlikely partners together. 
I just said, you know what? We can help here. We, we can really lend the muscle that a sports team has. I reached out to uh, a supplier and just asked if it was possible to create face masks. The answer was a resounding yes. Yeah, so after uh, about 10 iterations, uh, we designed a mask that was very comfortable, uh, very durable. So we are making them out of high-performance polyester. Co-branded. Um, this is the classic, but we have ones with, uh, very cool ones with jellyfish, actually. And, and we'll be rolling out, and we have a kid's one. The washable masks are available for sale on the aquarium's website, vanaqua.org. They cost $20 each. Many benefits for buying the mask. Of course, you can protect yourself. You can also keep the N95 masks for the frontline workers. That's additional value. And on top of that, you can help save the aquarium. Which clearly a lot of people want to do. And I mean, we're four hours into it. We've sold almost 3,000 of them. So Vancouver is uh, stepping up as we would expect it to, to save this beloved institution. But don't worry. They won't be running out anytime soon. We, we have enough fabric to make uh, half a million to a million masks. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Now, a quick update on those numbers. Since Linda spoke to the Whitecaps this afternoon, sales have continued to be hot. As of right now, they've sold more than 7,500 masks and they've ordered a second production run. Hot new. That and the shoes. Yeah. Bonnie Henry shoes, people wearing masks. You'd be a fashion icon. Could be. Time of coronavirus. Speaking of fashion icon, Squire Barnes. The title well, of Squire Barnes. Thank you. Right I am. Now. Yes, well, I, I like to look good. <laughs> look good, feel good, I always say. Uh, Abbotsford senior secondary graduate Chase Claypool is the latest Canadian drafted into the NFL. 49th overall, second rounder to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this is how it sounded when he got selected. With the 49th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Pittsburgh Steelers select Chase Claypool, wide receiver, Notre Dame. Chase Claypool goes to a team that has a very good history of building receivers, usually top quality receivers. And after he celebrated with his family, he talked to Barry DeLay. Uh, it's pretty surprising. Um, I had a really good talk with Coach Tallman over at the Senior Bowl, but that was really like the only communication I had with them. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm super happy to be there. Obviously, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, eighth most uh, passing yards in NFL history, yeah. one of the iconic quarterbacks. Uh, has that kind of gotten into your head yet that you will be working with him as an NFL professional? That's uh, the first thing I thought of. Um, obviously, when you go to a team uh, as an offensive player, you you want to know who the quarterback is, and to know that you're you're with the legend is is pretty reassuring. He called me five minutes after I got drafted, and he he let me know that I was on high on his board and Coach Tomlin's board. So they kind of worked together to make that happen, and uh, super excited for that to have a guy who who believes in me. Steelers apparently are good at uh, working with receivers. Uh, maybe a guy like you who a lot of people feel has a lot of upside. Does that excite you that they can turn you into a very good player? Most definitely. They have a tradition of developing receivers, uh, Juju and Antonio Brown for sure, um, and all the other guys who played through there. So uh, I'm super excited to see where the future takes me, and to play for a team like Pittsburgh is, is beyond exciting. What's next for you? Do you have an idea of, uh, of what you're going to do uh, right away here? Yeah, so uh, we're here for a couple more weeks. Uh, we're going to work on the contract, and then uh, once we get that figured out, I'm going to head down uh, close to the facility and hopefully throw with Ben a little bit.
How surreal a moment is this for you as a, as a kid growing up in Abbotsford and now yeah. you're 49th overall pick in the NFL draft? Yeah, no, it's insane uh, to be top 50. Um, you know, something you dream of all, all your life and something that doesn't really uh, seem possible until it happens. So uh, I can't really put it into words, but I'm just going to enjoy it with my family and uh, see, uh, see where these next couple of days and weeks and months take me. I I've been I've been yelling at I've been yelling at his coaches all my life, right? He has been the most amazing kid ever since he was this small. Okay, <laughs> mom. mom. I can't talk. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited. I, I swear to God, I'm o- I'm over the moon. Yeah, we're you just know? so excited for yeah, what's yeah. going to happen next, and just hope that you know. He'll be able to get across the border and get into training yes, and get yes. on with his next steps. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. I, yeah. This is so amazing to me. <laughs> it is. It is. He is the best. Ever since he was small, he was the best at what he did. Uh, if I could do a backflip, uh, a backflip, I would, but I can't because I'm too old right now. But he can do it. Okay. Later. That That's my favorite so line. I'm too old right now. I'm going to use that line. You want to do this? No, actually, right now I'm too old. But tomorrow I might be young enough to do it. Uh, sad news from tennis. Alden Brown tennis tournament. Well, what can you expect? Had to be canceled for this year. Next year. Next year. Just about everything is these days. All right. Thanks very much, Squire. And uh, way to go, Chase. We're proud of you. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's check in with Andrew. And now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And thanks, Sophie. Tonight, the latest on flooding in our province says several residents in a number of communities are being told to be ready to leave at a moment's notice. Plus, a new tool to help you avoid crowds during this pandemic. Two female entrepreneurs from Vancouver have built a free website that shows the wait times outside grocery stores, banks, liquor stores, and more details and the women behind the idea tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie, Chris. Sounds like a great idea for these times. Thanks, Anne. No doubt. We've got another deserving healthcare hero coming up and satellite debris, too. It is time to give a shout out on the news hour to one of our BC healthcare heroes. That's right. Tonight's nomination comes from Liz, Rose, and the McNally family. They want to recognize Andrea Naylor of Penticton, who is the program coordinator of activities and volunteers at Trinity Care Center, where both their parents are living in residence. Due to the COVID-19 lockdown, Liz says they have been unable to visit their parents, Betty and Jack, for some time now, which has been very difficult on everyone. But they say the entire staff at Trinity is truly exceptional and Andrea goes above and beyond to make make life better for all the residents, including arranging FaceTime sessions. A small connection that, as we all know, makes a huge difference right now, easing worries and fears. Andrea, the McNally family is grateful to you for your hard work and dedication, and we thank you as well. If you have a healthcare hero to nominate, Send us a few pictures and some details to BC Healthcare Heroes at globalnews.ca. Excellent work, Andrea. All right, uh, let's check in now with Squire Barnes, who's got satellite debris teed up for us tonight. So now, do you remember those Budweiser commercials where the guy said, what's up? Remember those? <laughs> Never <laughs> forget okay. them. That apparently was 1999. Wow. 1999. But what they did was they updated that very same commercial so it fits with what's going on right now. Hello? Yeah, who? What's up? Nothing, B. In quarantine? Having a bud? 
What's up with you? Nothing. Quarantining, having a bud. True. True. What's up? What's up? Yo, who's that? Yo! Yo, pick up the phone! Hello? What's up? What's up? Yo, where's Dookie? Yo, Dookie! Yo. What's up? What's up? So you okay, B? I'm good, B. Just quarantining and having a bud. Thanks for checking in. It's still funny. It's you see how that, that's how we kicked it in the late 90s. Home phones and giant computers. Uh, okay, this one's an old favorite from a Dutch insurance company. Hi, John. Hey, Bob. Hi, John. Morning. One more old favorite. Here we go. Let's do it. I'm freaking out, man. Why? I thought Jill was your soulmate. No, no, it's her dad. The general's your soulmate? If what? No, no, no. He's, he's on my back about providing for his little girl. Hey, don't worry. E-Trade's got a totally new investing dashboard. Everything's on one page. Your investments, quotes, research. It's like the buffet last night. Whatever helps you understand, man. I'm watching you. Oh, yeah? I'm watching you. Watching him. Try the new 360 investing dashboard at E-Trade. There we go. Just like that. Ta-da. We're watching you stay home this weekend. It's going to be raining anyway. Have a good night, all. Have a good weekend, and thank you for joining us. Happy banging, everyone, in three seconds. Or maybe it's...